What is going on, everyone? I am Mike. Welcome back to Network. So glad that you joined us today. We are talking about the week's tech news, and I am joined by my host, Holden DePardo. Holden, how are we doing today? Doing wonderful. Wonderful, Holden. Glad to hear that you're doing wonderful because I'm doing wonderful as well. It is Wednesday. God, what day is today? I don't even know anymore. It just seems like it's March still 30th, 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is January 14th, Thursday, January 14th. We're recording one day late today and we are talking about the week's Mm -hmm. tech news. Holden, it's been quite a week with CES, a lot of going on. Not too much Apple news, I guess directly, but there's Apple news still, I think, Mm -hmm. nonetheless. Let's start with, I think, the big part of the news, which is going to be WhatsApp and WhatsApp making changes to their terms of service for their messaging product. Now, so if you're outside the US, many people use, whether it's WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, to communicate with their friends and family all over the world. Here in the US, it's a little bit different. I think that we are insulated from that due to the pervasiveness of iOS and iMessage. But there is some, I guess, lack of communication from Facebook slash WhatsApp and how they were changing their terms of service to support um, what some people would say is kind of uh, Facebook mi- you know, data mining uh, that. Now, what happened, I'm going to pull up this article here. Facebook clarified, um, they, I guess they kind of backtracked, but they, if you are using WhatsApp for business and you use it on your device, they're going to be able to go ahead and start doing, I, I would say, profiling of you and what your communications are with businesses. There was a lot of, I guess, miscommunication, as I would call it, because at first, you know, Facebook's just horrible uh, track record with privacy. People were assuming that Facebook's always doing the worst, which I think I, in the same way, I assume that they're always doing the worst. I think it's a fair assumption, yeah. Fair assumption. Um, What I think is interesting from this perspective is that even though there's many people that use WhatsApp, Telegram, Signal, around the world with iPhones that they don't default into using iMessage because it's secure, it is encrypted end to end, Apple doesn't resell your information, they're not trying to sell you something other than more phones or more hardware. Uh, but it's really surprising that there is this there is this popularity of these apps when other apps on the platform and on many different platforms offer it. Holden, uh, are you someone who uses either one of these, plat- uh, like either WhatsApp, Telegram, Signal? I use Signal occasionally, but iMessage is absolutely the the default experience for sure. Okay, so so you don't have too many friends with green bubbles. I guess that's what we'd say, right? <laughs> yeah, basically, absolutely. Although when I had Android, uh, that was painful. painful <laughs> when I was the green bubble, it's painful. I can see why someone on Android would use Signal or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or something like that. I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a it's a better messaging experience uh, when you're using those apps because of the features that they offer. Unfortunately, Google hasn't really streamlined their RCS messaging chat, which uh, is their secure mm-hmm. uh, secure messaging application. But I guess what's what is interesting from my perspective again, um, I, I just don't know how. I don't know that many people that use these products. I guess that I only have a handful of friends that use Signal. Many people I know registered for Signal once they saw like this tweet from Facebook and kind of the spiral um, mm-hmm. of bad information coming out because a lot of it was misinformation. It was not necessarily accurate around what, what, what Facebook and WhatsApp was doing. But I guess if I was using, um, I, you know, I say this a different way. A lot of my friends who have Android just refo- uh, default to using SMS. So 
uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting how bad the uh, the conversation got with my friends. They're like, oh, I have to go use Signal or Telegram. I'm like, I don't want another messaging app to talk to people in. Please just get an iPhone. Make it easier for me. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's all I'm looking for. Please help me. Um, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, just like really quickly, just touching on the whole Android chat thing, Android messaging, like the default messaging, and I had a Pixel phone back in like from 2018 or 2019 or so. So like not too long ago, but long enough that things would have changed. So just keep that in mind. Um, But it it was so bad, mostly just because sending images is terrible because it's SMS. And if you send an image, it's never the full quality image ever. It's this really, it's it's just, it's it's a shitty, sorry, it's a crappy version of the, of the picture. So like even beyond that, um, WhatsApp is also just a terrible looking app. It's ugly as sin. It's horrible oh, it's so to look at. It's maybe one of the worst looking apps I, I have used of a professional, like, you know, high, you know, big companies behind it kind of capacity. Um, but yeah, I think that you kind of hit it on the nail of the head with just like, there's this, in terms of what's happening right now with WhatsApp, it's this lack of trust in Facebook. And even for me, like, even though I had this clarification now that WhatsApp is is only using this with kind of consumer chats and they're saving that on Facebook servers as opposed to all the private conversations, let's be honest, like in a, in a few years, I would not be surprised if those private conversations end up on Facebook servers, even though it's still end-to-end encrypted. Yeah, you, you know, I guess what's maybe not clear to me is what Facebook is using the information for in terms of, is it for to profile you as a individual that uses Facebook? Are they trying to link um, your WhatsApp um, user profile to your Facebook profile? Are they then trying to, again, um, I guess, what are they doing with it? And maybe the question to understand is, are there implications with Apple's new... Um, uh, I don't want to call it app privacy, but they're new like uh, like nutrition labels that they're launching inside the app store. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those, any app now has to comply with those, I guess, the rules of the app store. And one of the things are the uh, nutrition labels, as I would call it. Yeah. Um, actually, I want to go to um, WhatsApp really quickly to see what theirs looks like. I looked at, my ah, phone's like in my pocket. Um, Facebook's is really surprisingly terrifying is it really? like face yeah facebook pulls in your like your health data why no. does facebook need my health data yeah they do so so i want to see whatsapps and see what they're yeah, pulling in at one point facebook had a health like a health vertical but i didn't know mm-hmm. that they had access to the health data yeah they do i mean i don't think it's everything because apple encrypts that but they probably it also means they might there might just be an area where they ask for it. My AirPods just dropped the connection. Totally worth a five fifty. Totally worth a five fifty. Damn it. <laughs> Data used to track you. Okay, so we're looking at um, how can we do this here? Yes, WhatsApp data. So WhatsApp has data linked to you, and um, here's the thing about this whole privacy label. I can see that. The app is, on this case, WhatsApp is looking at my usage data, which means product interaction and advertising data is what they say is the kind of the clarifying statements for yep. usage data. I still don't really know what that means. Does that mean that WhatsApp has access to my screen time so they can see how much time I spend in every app on my phone? Like to what degree? Because that would be usage, wouldn't it? So I think it's usage within the app. Okay. Like it's it's very, the, the container is very narrow. We're saying... Within like X app, 
how much how do you interact with the product what buttons are you pressing are you put you know are you how long are you in the app for do you have trouble like crash logs things like that mm-hmm. okay well that's that's under diagnostics so like diagnostics crash data performance data and all that it just okay. has product interaction, which I guess is covering what you're saying. Like, if you're touching the screen for how long, or you touching yeah. the screen. So, like, um, how long are you looking at a post, for example, was something they could get for that. And this one yeah. I mean, wouldn't clarify for WhatsApp, but for Facebook, it would. I agree. Um, this, all right, I'll be honest. WhatsApp doesn't look as bad, or not nearly as bad as Facebook. Facebook, it, they take as much as they can. It looks like Facebook takes as much as possible. Like it's yeah. Let's see. And the other social networking apps looked at, like Twitter, they, I mean, they take a lot, but they're still missing chunks of data they could be taking, and they're not. Uh, so I see that health and data, but I don't see what it is. Let me go back in there and take a look at it. Physical contact, yada, yada, yada. Data used to track you, identifiers, analytics. So health and fitness analytics. So it's not data. It's the outcomes of those data. So I wonder what that what that is. What does that even mean? Yeah, well, I don't use Facebook, so I don't know what it would be using. Like location, I can make an assumption where they use location because they want to get the location of your post. Like, I get that. Um, I don't know where where in the app there there would be something like that. Like, oh, what was the user's heart rate when they were making that post? Oh, they were anxious and like, and it was one a.m. I don't know. Like, I don't know to what degree they can see that information, but I would be really surprised if Apple gave them access to, like, your heart rate data, your steps, the amount of sleep you're getting, like, those kind of metrics. I'd be very surprised if Apple just gave that up. Yeah, I think that that has to be explicit, where you are granting them permission. Um, okay, you should be able to see this now, I think. So this is in the developer.apple.com, and this is how what Apple says... Yeah. So user privacy and data use app stores designed. So what's the, obviously the, what the, how the app store is designed. Um, describing how your app uses data later this year, the app store will help users understand an app's privacy practices before they download the app. On each app's product page, uh, let's see here. This next part here, soon you'll be required to provide information about your privacy, which is what we're going through right now. Asking permission to track, which is what Apple, or sorry, what Facebook is really complaining a lot about. Uh, saying that they can't track their uh, users based on this new implementation of privacy. App tracking, human interface guidelines. I want to see... Go up to the second part, or the um, the first part again, and the sec- under the second paragraph, we'll learn more. That, I think, because I think that's all about the nutrition labels. Nutrition labels, yeah. Answering app privacy questions... Actually, can you link this to me? I want to see it too. Types of data. Yeah. So these are usage. I found health. So it says health is health and medical data, including but not limited to data from clinical health records, API, health kit API, movement disorders API, or health-related human subject research, or any other um, user-provided health or medical data. Fitness is fitness and exercise data, including but not limited to the motion fitness API. So basically, it seems like they're accessing information that's intended for research studies um, or medical data, like you were saying earlier, uh, you would have to ask for your permission to get access to. But if Facebook started asking for permission to your heart rate, they technically could get it. And it's saying that they do have things within their app to get that if they ask for it. Yep. Now, what I think that what we would see is that if you go into uh, privacy, so settings privacy, you would see that 
underneath Facebook uh, for each one of these things. So let's just say if we go to health data, uh, let's see here. In, under, settings. I don't have Facebook on my phone. I can't see that. <laughs> well, uh, it's actually here. Um, if you if you go to settings, privacy, and then what it does is it breaks down each each one of the categories that you, that can be shared here. So context, calendar, reminders, and then down the list is health. So if you click on health, it shows you all the apps your, you've chosen to share your health data with. And for me, Facebook is not on that list. I think that happens when like I perform an action inside of Facebook and let's say maybe I just completed a workout, like if that's like a post type and then it says, oh, let me let me get your uh, your your motion activity. That's that's actually a good one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what is that called? Oh, I think they just call it motion activity. Yeah, there's but some it's in apps. Health, I believe. Yeah, th- there's some apps where once you sh- once you if you're moving and you stop moving, the app will record that you stop moving, and it's nothing related to do with health. It's like um, like day one. Have you ever have you heard of day one before? Oh yeah, I use day one. So day one, yep, yeah, day one is an app that will. Uh, that has the ability to go ahead and track your motion, uh, but you don't have to turn mm-hmm. that on, right? It's not necessarily required. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's what it is in this context for Facebook and um, uh, fitness-related activities. But it's it's kind of hard because even if, you know, you and I are reading this and like, no, what does this mean for not. Facebook to say, you know, this is pure um, conjecture. Like, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Well, maybe it's this. Like contacts is very explicit a list of contacts in the user's phone. Okay, I, I can understand what that is. Uh, photos or video, whatever the case is. So I think that's the part where Apple could maybe do a better job around and enforcing that. Yeah. The other thing too, and this isn't even on Apple, this is just going back to Facebook and how Facebook operates. I don't. I can't think of a reason why they would need health data. I, I just legitimately can't think of a single reason why they would need to do that. Um, and... There's going to be a point where they're going to ask a user, hey, can we get access to your health and fitness data? I used to teach people how to use technology. It's like I've, I've seen people use this stuff very regularly yeah. as like a you know nine hour a day job. And people just say yes. They just say yes. They yeah, don't they read fall. prompts. They just say yes. Um, so, not so everyone, but I would say the the majority. The majority of people just say yes. So Facebook is basically putting this out there because they're fishing, you know, pH fishing. They're pH fishing. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And, you know, you're right. The part that's like super, um, super frustrating as people get like uh, inundated with these notifications of these dialog boxes and they're like, okay, I'm just going to click yes. I'm just going to click yes. I'm just going to click yes. And what they do is they end up signing up for not not like the actual act of signing up for, but they they are then they are okay with and not by means of uh, actually being a conscious decision, but just by being you know, like decision fatigue, they sign up for mm-hmm. like putting a VPN on their phone. They have no idea or installing insulation or installing uh, carrier profiles, things that they don't necessarily know, but someone asked them for it. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. My dad's insurance company. They're like, oh, if you give us access to your your to your motion and location data, we'll give you a discount on your car insurance. I'm like, how much is the discount they're giving you? He's like, it's like $8 every three months. I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? 
Like I would never give anyone my location data for eight dollars every three months. That seems like such a bad trade. <laughs> if a random person walked to the street and said, "Hey, can I see where you are at all times? Know when you've stopped moving, when you're you know at home, when you're at work, when you're driving somewhere? I'll give you eight bucks right now." <laughs> exactly. Like, no, you cannot. That's not what. I'm... And he's like, "Well, I'm getting a discount on my car insurance." I'm like, "Yes, but you're trading your privacy for for this. Inf- you know, you're trading this very kind of personal personal information. Like, I, I don't know. I, I take." I take privacy, I think, more serious now in my kind of middle age than I did when I was younger. But I don't want anyone knowing that. Like, that's just like, no, I don't. Yeah. Like that Danny DeVito meme where he's just shaking his head. He's like, no, 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 no. That's like me right now where I don't want that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I found party interaction as well for usage data. Um, I haven't read it yet, but here it is. It says, um, such as app launches, taps, clicks, scrolling information, music listening data, video views, Save um saved place in the game video or, or song or information about how the user interacts with the app. So yeah, it's a it's about that specific app. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all the other parts of usage and data are related to that too. So advertising data is just um information about the advertisements the user has seen, assuming in the app. And then yes. other usage data is just any other data about user activity in the app. So that's relieving to me that it's not related to like why would Facebook need to see if I use day one? I, I don't. I don't think they need to know that. No, but if you remember, there was something like um, three or four years ago, and I think it was Twitter who um, really started using it and then Apple put an end to it, is where apps could see what other apps that you had on your phone. Okay, so uh, the link that I sent to you just a moment ago was Twitter to track the list of apps installing your devices. And so like several years ago, this is actually 2014, um, it there was, I'm not sure if it was like a, if it was by design or by mistake, but web or apps that were installed on your phone could see other apps by like some type of sniff that they would do. Let's see, here it is. Twitter's now spying. Twitter never. No. Uh, but other apps are doing it. Uh, and I think part of it is like there is this URL scheme that each of the apps use, um, which is part of shortcuts actually. Oops, we go back here back here so uh, do you use shortcuts at all oh yeah absolutely i have some actually surprisingly complicated shortcuts on my phone where i can like create reminders lists for my groceries and it like sorts it all for me by section of the store like i have some okay i have some kind of complicated ones it is pretty complicated so you know the the url callback schemes where it's like shows the name of the app because every time they install the app it okay uh, there was something where Twitter was, I think they figured that out and they were using that URL callback scheme to see what apps would respond when they p- try and ping the most common ones. And they built this oh. database uh, and then Apple stopped that. Yeah, they should have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was, um, how do we get on Twitter in this? I totally forgot now. <laughs> <laughs> we were at WhatsApp and the privacy labels and then we oh, yeah. or we just went down that rabbit hole. Yeah, down the rabbit hole. So I, I wish that uh, there was just more explicit, um, uh, like what I am giving up or what I'm trading for this information. When I when I see an app says they use health and fitness, again, it's not quite clear how Facebook would use that, but um, maybe I don't know if anyone out there knows how Facebook uses health and fitness data. Let let us know. I mean, it's it's obviously a really good step that Apple does this in the first place. Yeah. 
So definitely we should be thankful for that. Um, But yeah, I think that from here on out, there can be some more work to be done to make maybe Facebook would have to put in specifically what they're doing with that data, not just that they're taking that data. Hmm. I think it would be really nice to see, um, again, see more explicit call-outs to how that's done. And maybe, I guess, you know, even when you have health data, Apple says your data is never shared unless you, you say that it is. Even in the um, in research kit, when mm-hmm. you go to share data with a research uh, a researcher in a research kit, whether it's for like some medical study or for whatever the case is, there's like double opt-in. Like you want to share this, you click yes. And it's like, are you sure you want to share this? Like you're, you're, it's very explicit that you're uh, sharing medical data or health data with uh, a provider. So I would think that maybe in the case of Facebook, if you try and do that, you're, it's going to be an explicit opt-in. Who knows? Uh, but I'm certainly not going to experiment trying, <laughs> trying to give Facebook my health data. <laughs> <laughs> you get a message from Facebook like, we're very worried about your heart, Michael. Everything okay? <laughs> yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is going to tweet me. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Apple and C, Apple and C, yes, Apple and Hyundai. So I think the, the word came out last week or the rumor came out last week that Hyundai and Apple were in some type of, uh, some type of discussions as the rumor mill talked about it. It was, uh, Apple was looking for a partner, right. To go in on the quote unquote Apple car and, um, Hyundai made an announcement, maybe a little bit, uh, they jumped the gun a little bit and saying we're working with Apple uh, on Apple uh, on the Apple car. And then uh, <laughs> they retracted the statement like, whoops. Um, Basically, Tim Cook said, do you want to work with us or not? Take it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was actually so it's, it's kind of shocking. Now, I don't know how much I buy into the whole car thing like. Could I see Apple releasing a car? Yeah, I, I mean, they could probably release anything. But does a car really make sense? Like, is it that? Like, how do you how do you sell a car? Which you know, you upgrade cars have a you know a really long lifespan or long upgrade cycle. It's like seven or eight or nine years. It's probably even longer in places that are less developed than the U.S. Um, how do you like? I don't I don't know. Maybe I don't get it. I, I don't know where you fall yeah. on. EVs or electric cars. I, I agree with you. No, I totally agree with you. I am having a hard time seeing it too. Like I, I'm trying to picture like, and I actually had these same questions about even an, a full on Apple TV, which yes. is like, how do you set that up in a retail store in, in, in the way that Apple does that? I mean, TV yes. would be easier than car, but with a car, it's like, are you going to put a car in an Apple store? <laughs> that seems yes. insane. That just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Are they going to have like, like they could test dealership kind of thing? Where they handle it, um, like yeah. with this very, very specific like dealerships, but they're not really dealerships. You have to like get a loan before you go in, and it's not like it was like fine. Like, how is that going to work? Um, it's just it's very, very strange for me. But on top of that, too, is it necessary for Apple to do that? Like the kind of things that they want to do in a car. Why can't they make technology to go inside of cars? That way it's in every car. Yeah. As opposed to saying like, oh, you want to have your Apple Watch unlock your car immediately? I guess you can already do that. So then what would it, I guess, like, I guess cars can already do that. But just, let's just, you know, for the sake of argument, just roll with that. 
it'd be strange to have a feature like that and say, oh, well, your Apple Watch can't you know, turn on your car. Only yeah. if you have an Apple car, you can do that. It just seems like a very weird like niche that no one's going to buy because someone's going to go, well, no, I buy Be- Beamers. Beamers is my car, and I always buy Beamers. Hmm. And they're not going to get the Apple car. Like It just seems like too much of a niche. So, Cars don't sell a lot like per yeah. year in the, in the way that like a smartphone does because it's yeah. there's first of all people don't buy cars every year there's so many different brands of cars and they're all relatively good it's just it's weird i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me so but i can now, see them making autonomous systems i can see them making you know you know uh things like that for cars that makes sense to me yeah. sorry i cut you off no 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 that's okay um i didn't mean to interrupt so I think there's like several things happening. So one, there seems to be too many like disparate parts coalescing together. Like you talk about Apple, uh, sorry, being able to unlock your uh, car with your uh, with your Apple Watch, CarPlay, um, Eddie Q going to the board of Ferrari. Uh, there was some other news where you could use your your um, your iPhone uh, in a vehicle. It wasn't CarPlay. I can't think of the exact thing right now. The driverless vehicles that Apple has that for the uh, the employees that drives around and picks people up. I, I can't think what they call it now. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's all these things that seem really strange when you look at them like individually. Like, oh, they, they couldn't do that. But if you kind of put them together, it starts to tell you the picture that they're, okay, maybe they could be delivering a car or could be thinking about doing a car. But to your point, is there, you know, there's so many challenges with selling cars, right? Like you said, people don't buy them very often. They're very expensive. Uh, people have affinity towards them. But as soon as you start saying that, I started thinking like that was the same thing I would have told myself in 2006 when someone said Apple's going to make a phone. Like, oh, no one's going to buy a phone from Apple. What do they know about making phones? And the watch too, actually. Yeah, and the watch, right? Like, what do they know about making yeah. watches? What do they know about making phones? Everyone loves their, Mot- their Motorola Razor. Come on, man. It's like that, right? So we're basically realizing this conversation is going to age incredibly poorly when an Apple it's, car comes it, this out conversation and they knock will, it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> but but to, to your point, right, like does brand affinity for a certain vehicle, whether it's BMW, Mercedes, whatever the case is, would that stop someone from buying a car or, sorry, would that stop someone from buying an Apple vehicle? Or is it possible that Apple might find a different way to integrate themselves into that brand and maybe maybe work in different ways like you said uh maybe they sell the system they you know they don't sell you the car but they sell you the the system that the car uses to to auto drive or whatever the case is um yeah i don't know it's 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 kind of strange it's like i kind of believe it but then i talk myself out of it but then i talk myself back into it so it's like i'm very bipolar (laughs) in this moment where i'm like i don't know which one it is they would never do that yes they would mike what are you talking about um and I probably could be swayed one way or the other by just talking to someone like, you know, you and I are talking like, oh, yeah, at the end of this conversation, I'll be like, yeah, you know what? He was right. And then like an hour later, I could talk to a friend. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe he's right. And I, it's just it's it could go either way. I've gone back be- and forth already in this conversation. <laughs> yes, I've gone back and forth. You're you're totally right. So if they're making a car, I'd be really, really hard pressed to see how they're going to market it. Like you said, I mean, the logistics of of positioning and getting customers into a car is very hard, but maybe none of that is important if it looks and runs like your iPhone, right? Like maybe, I don't know, like, do you really have to learn to use CarPlay? I think the answer is no, right? CarPlay just kind of works. Here's the other element of this too. I, I really feel like when cars become autonomous, 
we're going to look at cars as we see them now as like rotary phones. Yeah. The, the term phone has completely changed. Yes. 15 years ago, when you said phone, it meant literally a completely different thing than what it means right now. And yes. where I think that's going with cars is that when you get into a car and you're driving a car, you're facing forward because you have to face forward because you're driving the car. But when you're yeah. not driving the car anymore, doesn't that kind of experience become more about comfort and entertainment? What are you yeah. doing in this car that you're just sitting in while you're running on the street? I have this theory that like seats are going to be facing inwards on the car. Yeah. Because it's going to be about like spending the time with the people in the car. There's going to be like maybe a table in the middle of it or something like that. Like it's going to look way, way different. It might evolve into that because I think it'd be a very hard pill to swallow if suddenly cars have seats facing inwards and no one's driving it except for the car itself. <laughs> like that would be, I think, uncomfortable for people at first. But as cars become more about the experience within the car without driving, it's going to evolve. And I feel like we could also be having the same kind of conversation about cars when Apple Car comes out and how that changes and evolves over time. Like if this is autonomous, you get in the car and there's no steering wheel. It's still facing forward, but like there's no steering wheel. Like there's going to be major differences like that um, that are pretty fundamental. And that might be where we get into the whole, why would Apple make a phone? But now we know why Apple made a phone because they clearly made an experience that was so much different and better than what had existed before, even if it was weird to people at first. If you all remember Steve Ballmer's comment about iPhone after seeing it and saying, you know, $700 for a phone with no keyboard, this is terrible for enterprise. No one's going to buy it because you can't do things on it like email. <laughs> and yeah. like, that's that's maybe one of the most poorly uh, aged statements of any tech CEO ever. Because, um, yeah. like, of all time. Um, yeah, and that's all very, very speculative. Like, it could never happen that way. But, like, we, this could be very, very different for our other cars. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is that they're partnering with Hyundai on this. They might just be making the computers in the system, and then Hyundai's going to, you know, work on um, the mechanics of the wheels turning and that kind of stuff. Like, Apple's not even really engineering that side of it. Yeah, and, you know, there was there was other news that came out just the other day about Apple tried to, to buy, is it, it's not Naboo. It's oh, the name is escaping me. But now that we're talking about it, it's just ringing a bell. Um, oh well. Uh, and here's here's some other news that I'm just finding. I'll put this in the in the link as well. Uh, BMW to BMW announces plans to launch ultra wideband version of Apple's car key feature early next year. Uh, that's in there. Where is this article? And we're scrolling. And we're scrolling. <laughs> While you're looking for that, uh, before we started talking, I said that I had like this, people are going to be saying this when Apple makes a car. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I would put money that Apple, people will make this statement about Apple car when it comes out. What's that? How can we trust Apple with cars if they couldn't even get maps to work? There's still hmm. a stigma against Apple maps for some people. It's absolutely going to be brought up when Apple car gets announced. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't agree with it. I think I think Apple Maps is very good now, um, but it will absolutely be said nonetheless. No, but, but maybe it's uh, so to that point. Maybe that's why Apple is like doubling down on their own version of Maps and uh, getting the mm -hmm. data right. Yeah, it, it is. I think much much better than it used to be. I don't even use Google Maps anymore, but that's also because I don't use Google anything except YouTube. Yeah, uh, Apple tried to buy. 
our company. It's like it's like Naboo, but it's not. It does. Um, they were going to work with BMW at one point. I think like they're like someone's like, oh, Tim Cook went to go see how the is it the not M3. What's like BMW's smart car? The I, the i3 or the i version. The yeah, the i version. Um, there's something like that, and people were speculating. That was like a few years ago, though. So the, the company's called, it's not Nabu, it's Canoe, C-A-N-O-O. And I'm just trying to find the reference. Uh, so like this company is very good at, uh, th- to your point, like maybe th- uh, maybe Hyundai was going to build some component within the car. Well, this company was very good at, at steering by wire, which is a relatively new technology for car steering and EVs. Uh, and they tried to buy them. I think it'll be very interesting when this all comes together I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I don't think that, I mean, this is 2020. Making cars are very hard. And you would, I think you would probably see, um, you would get signals in their uh, annual report for capital expenditures for R&D. Like this, buying, like setting up the plants, getting all the the machinery, the tools, the batteries, all that stuff. You would probably start to see like- Skyrocket. It would skyrocket. So um, we'll see. And here's the thing too, is we did see that kind of skyrocketing happening well before the, in in R&D, well before the M-Series chips was coming out. For a few years before the M-Series chips came out, their R&D budget like blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um, It'll be interesting. Now, I mean, obviously it's way down the road, but like their products, but I just don't know if I would buy the car. I guess it really depends on where you're at in the car buying cycle, right? Like Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like a Tesla. Like Tesla is a very cool car, but they're not very common. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be in a neighborhood where you see a lot of them if you're in like a particularly affluent neighborhood or something like that. Yeah. But where I'm at, like there's even a Tesla charging station at the, my grocery store. But even then, I almost never see cars charging there. It's just really? not, not often enough, at least. Yeah. Like maybe I see one every once in a while, but never. I've never seen more than one car there. Is the charging station Tesla specific or is it it's yes. just a charging station? Okay. Yeah. You know, if, if they could pull it off because people who own Teslas are like brand, like there's such a high degree of brand affinity that they have for Tesla and for Elon Musk. If they could pull it off, it would be quite amazing. Is Tesla going to be the pebble of smart cars? Wow, good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's there's just so many different facets to unpack with with a vehicle, and I don't have the wherewithal to you know. To, so I I would actually like to get someone. And tell me if you'd be open to this. Uh, someone who knows cars, like very you know, has deep understanding of cars, to come on. Would you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I know nothing about cars, so I feel like that'd be a beneficial conversation even just for me to learn and understand more about the car industry and someone who's like an aficionado of that industry. Like there's there's so many people, sorry, there's so many manufacturers racing towards the same goal. And, you know, you said something earlier. It was like Apple had designed an experience on the iPhone that they thought was just so tremendous that they could then apply this towards these other... Um, these other products. And it's kind of interesting where they, I guess to my understanding, it sounded like they stumbled upon like the, the not capacitive touch, but the pinch to zoom and like all that mm-hmm. on the iPhone. Yeah. 
like maybe they stumbled onto something like, oh, wow, we can do this. And it would be just so awesome or such an awesome experience in a vehicle. But yes, let's start doing that. And, and maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Okay. I do think, I think you're right. I think that's a good point to bring up. Uh, I would add on to that. Whatever, I think whatever you're talking about, it would be something about how the interface of the car and how like all that works. I still can't imagine this not being an extension of the iPhone in the same way that your Apple Watch is an extension of the iPhone. Like to get yes. this car, you'll need to have an iPhone. I would be completely unsurprised if that was true. If they would attach that requirement to a watch, I think they would absolutely attach that requirement to a car. car. And if people complain about it, it's like buy the $1,000 phone when you buy your $50,000 car. It's not going to be a huge difference at that point. Um, yeah. So there definitely be that attachment to the phone, I'm, I'm sure. But I think that on, on your point of it, there being unique interfaces, we have not seen cars really have truly unique interfaces with the phone outside of CarPlay. But really, isn't CarPlay just a navigation display that cars have had for a while now? But it's just a little bit more linked to your phone than before. It's like, what is that next step with your phone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny when when I went looking for a car earlier this year, I'm like do you guys offer CarPlay? It's like, okay, no, you don't. You're out of the mix. Like, I don't want to even choose a car that doesn't offer CarPlay because I knew the integration was already yeah. that good. And yeah, it is very good, yeah. And so Sorry, whether... No, no, that's okay. So whether you you might have affinity for, you know, BMW or Toyota, whatever the manufacturer is, you might hold off or not even consider buying a car from your favorite manufacturer because they don't have the, the integration mm -hmm. with, with your iPhone. You're like, okay, maybe I'll wait another year to see if they have it. And you see more and more, uh, if not, I think all the manufacturers, maybe not including Hyundai, have some degree of CarPlay integration. I don't know. I think it's going to be super interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. The other part of it, too, is this could just be something that doesn't work. Yeah. That's the other part. That's the other possibility, too. It's not like Apple hasn't released things that didn't pan out before. They, they absolutely have. <laughs> Although their track record has been much better lately. Like HomePod is, I think, their biggest, you know, disappointment. But it, I, that's in quotes. I wouldn't even call HomePod a disappointment. Yeah, I also think we, when it first came out, that was absolutely the case. I think many people panned uh, HomePod, like thinking it was like they wanted something more from it. But it, even the same for the Apple Watch, right? It, I don't think Apple knew what yeah. they wanted it to be yet. You know what I mean? Until they start seeing how people were using it and like, okay, you know, we thought we talked about fitness uh, and maybe, you know, that messaging that they had on the Apple Watch. But this is now really how people are using it. And we have to shift, you know, shift gears or change how it's being, uh, I guess, presented. Remember, uh, they had like their three pillars. What, like fitness is one of them, but one, the other one of the other ones was um, unique ways of communication that can only be done from your watch. And it was like the tapping. Have you done the yeah. tapping like ever? <laughs> No, but you know this. It's, it's the now scribble is nice, but it is in your iPhone now. Do people even use it there, though? It's I. I don't think so. I don't think people use it that often. I mean, the scribble is nice. Being able to like write out things in your watch really fast. That didn't come till I think WatchOS four. It came a little bit later on down the road. Oh, was it? No, it was WatchOS two. It was WatchOS two. Yeah, and you you know it's actually interesting if you think about scribble on your watch might have taught them about scribble on your iPad. Yeah. So the yeah. handwriting recognition. So that might have been something that they wanted to do to get more, uh, to get more data around for creating models. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's change gears here. Let's take a look what we have left. So we have CES 
and there's two articles of CES. So CES is this week, and there is a lot of um, a lot of things in which maybe become vaporware. They never even get show up in the hands of consumers, and a lot of things get pre-announced. One of the things that Dell announced on Monday was a twenty-one hundred dollar. That's two one zero zero, which is awfully expensive. 40-inch wide Thunderbolt 3 monitor with 90 watts of power delivery. Now, I think, and so I, the thing that's unique about this is that it's not 4K. It's, it's five, I think they call it 5K, 2K. So it's 5K wide, 2K high, but the pixel density is not very high and it's 104 pixels per inch. So it that's not really even that great a pixel density, um, but it costs $2,100. Now, I, I asked my friends, who tend to be insensitive or um, not price sensitive? And I said, "Would you buy this for twenty one hundred dollars?" And they're like, "No way! It's, it seems like it's not that I guess great of a monitor." But when you think about, I guess what it offers, the fact that it's, um, I guess, so wide, it does. I mean, maybe this is just like a- angle towards big business, like people who work in uh, companies and they want their employees to be really super productive. I don't know who's going to buy a twenty one hundred dollar monitor because I know I. I'm sure as hell not. I don't. I mean, I don't even know what else to say about this other than it's ridiculously expensive and it seems to be not necessarily that good of performance for from in terms of monitors. I'm looking up the pixel density of like 4K monitors right now because I don't know. To to me, that didn't jump out as too low, just because it's really about the distance they expect it to be from you. So actually, okay, I found my monitor, which is a 4K monitor. Um, it wasn't even that much. It was like two fifty. Um, two hundred fifty. Wait, two hundred fifty dollars or two hundred fifty pix- uh, yeah, pixels? Yeah, it wasn't two hundred fifty dollars. Okay. Yeah, yep. it has a pixel density of one hundred sixty three pixels per inch. Yeah, that's significantly less. Yes, that's surprising. Yeah, like um, I'm not saying this to, sh- to show, but like I have the ultrafine one, and the pixel density I think is two twenty one, ultrafine five K. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a super expensive monitor, but it's not expensive as this is. This, I mean, this is very expensive. I, I don't know who's buying this. Like, for that much money? And I it didn't hit me, because at first I just heard 5K, ooh, buzzword, that sounds nice. 40 inches, ooh, buzzword, that sounds nice. I didn't think about them together, but yeah, you're right. That doesn't pan out the way you would want it to. Highlights, power density. So this is... USB-C Thunderbolt. I'm just trying to see where the pixel density is. Sorry. Um, yeah. While we're looking it up, I'll say I, I know who would buy this. Um, I have, and I don't think this is like a huge, you know, uh, demographic of people or anything, but they, I have a friend who literally just has a te- like a 60-inch television as his computer monitor. Oh, wow. Yeah. it's ma- it, it, I think it looks hilarious. Like, it just, it's, like, do you ever watch Hybrid Your Mother? Yes. And when Barney has his, like his wall TV and he turns it on and it's like so bright it's like blinding people, like yep. it it seemed like that but on a desk it was just mm. so so massive, um, yeah it just seems crazy to me. The other the, on the other end of that what's funny is my mom got a TV pretty recently she got a forty three inch TV and for her she's like oh, this is gigantic for a television and I'm like this is actually like on the low end and now that there's like a monitor that's basically the size of her TV. <laughs> intended specifically to be used for computers is just kind of funny for me. Yeah. So that's a good question. And I am not, uh, I'm not very knowledgeable in kind of what makes T 
TVs, bad monitors. So I think there's a couple things. I think it's like the connections that you have into the monitor, right? So it's not just HDMI, yeah. whether it's DisplayPort. Uh, it's the refresh rate, the latency, like how often can the screen be refreshed? And mm-hmm. um, probably the color space. We think that was probably the, th- the third thing. Anything else? Like what, what are the other things? That- um, I don't think a monitor like would have to come with built-in speakers, for example, because they might assume okay. that you have speakers or you'll just use your computer speakers or whatever. Um, whereas a TV, you really need to have the assumption that they might not have a sound bar or something. So you should just build this, the audio right in. Um, IR sensors for remote. Yeah. That's a pretty small one. Um, and so probably, I mean, it's the size as well because they have to figure out how close or how far are you going to be from viewing it to figure out whether or not there's like the usable, yeah. um, the usable pixels. But there's also a specific target of the content you'll be looking at. Yeah. I don't so know. They can tailor like, the, the color accuracy to that. I, I don't know. Like I, I just don't see anyone spending $2,100 on a, on this monitor, even though it supports Thunderbolt. Like this just seems ridiculously priced. Here's the other thing too. It offers for $2,100. I don't, I wouldn't expect this to be in every monitor, but excuse me for a monitor that is $2,100. It offers HDMI 2.0. And for example, like you, you, you're a gamer, right? A gamer might want to play games at 4K 60 frames per second. I don't think that HDMI 2.0 is capable of doing that simultaneously. I, I think it has to be 2.1, or is that 120 frames 120. per second with 2.1? Yeah. Okay, so, never mind. Then I take that back. Well, still though, some next gen consoles and some PC gamers would want 4K 120 if they, you know, ever got a you know, you would want to buy a monitor and have it for a while. And it's pres- I think it's safe to assume that in the next few years you could play some games at 4K 120 frames per second. Yeah. The, the interesting thing that this monitor had, which I don't know if I've ever seen on a monitor before, was the fact that it had an Ethernet connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't see Ethernet connections on monitors. Just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, yeah. Uh, have you seen any of the coverage from CES? Or did you, have you saw anything that was interesting? Uh, not too much. Um, okay. I generally don't look at CES, honestly. Um, I don't know why I don't. I, I just, I generally haven't. I do find this next story, though, interesting. The Intel's uh, 12th gen chip. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling up the article right now. So it looks like it's supposed to be like a hybrid chip. So it would basically be a little bit more competitive with the M series chip, hypothetically. Yeah. It's called Alder Lake. Alder Lake. My immediate doubt, I don't know if they could compete with the M chip just because they don't have the same kind of vertical integration that Apple has. No. Um, I found an article that was talking about how Apple, their chip design, gosh, I, I don't think I saved it, but it was very interesting. So, you know, even if they were you know, talking about doing this right now, at the point when Apple came out and announced their 64-bit architecture on the iPhone 5S, I think it was, um, they were like two, three years ahead of Intel and AMD for 64-bit ar- uh, architecture 
And it wasn't until mm-hmm. like they, the way that the article was, was uh, the positioned it, that they caught AMD like flat footed. And they're like, we weren't even like, no one was even talking about going from 32 to 64 bit architectures. And um, that they had no way to fab this. Um, like they had, they had no way to fab it, I think for like six months. And I guess the, the part of the article was like, they, they, they don't know how Apple fabbed it. Um, let me see if I can find it because I don't, I don't want to include this if I don't want to, I'm not accurate about it. No, I'm pretty sure you're you're right. I believe I've read the same thing. I've also seen Android Authority talk about it. And if Android Authority is giving Apple that much credit, it must have some legitimacy to it because they wouldn't have an incentive to considering their, their inherent bias by being called Android Authority. Um, no offense to them. I don't mean that as an offense to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense though. Because, I mean, has have other processors really been able to compete in the mobile space with apple i don't think that they've been able to because if you make that kind of leapfrog jump you're always going to kind of be a year ahead for the most part Uh, at least a year ahead i don't think that so i still think at this point that that the chipsets the mobile chipsets are not on par with apple's m series or the a series processors I still think that they're far more advanced. And you see that every year, right? When, you know, when the new phones come out, you know, the people do the, all the benchmarks and the, the all the testing saying the speed tests uh, and not that they're obviously that the good comparisons, but um, at, if you do like very kind of rudimentary comparisons, like how fast does this run? What are the clock scores? You see that not only on the iPhones, but also on the, you know, the Mac, the new uh, A series or sorry, the M series Max that they're leaps and bounds faster than anything that's out there today. So how yeah. um, how Intel is able to bring a hybrid chip to market six months after Apple did when they were so far behind is going to be interesting. Did they talk about the release date of this? Um, I'm taking a look right now. Is it November? Second half of this year. Okay. Right? Well, wait, actually, that's... But where the leak Intel says Alder Lake will serve as a foundation for future desktops and mobile processors. Like the the one statement that always comes back to me is Tim Cook on stage at the iPhone 5S announcement saying this is our most forward-looking, um, this is our most forward-looking uh, uh, not feature. Like they're talking about the just, importance of the phone, 64. I think. He just meant the phone overall, I think. Yeah. And like, you know. You don't necessarily realize it at that moment, but then as you, time goes on, you look back. Okay, now I see what they're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. But it really point, was though. Well, like it really was. iOS seven was the foundation of the software going forward. The processor was the foundation of their literally even the Macs now, and Touch ID was the foundation of an an increased um, focus on privacy. And which also laid the groundwork for Apple Pay and, and you know and Face ID and, and and things like that. So absolutely, that was our most forward-looking iPhone. Yeah, I never thought about the, the the Apple Pay thing. That's a good point. Very good point. Like, there's no point. I I don't see any benefit to Apple releasing MacBooks with this type of processor. Right? There's that that wouldn't happen. Like, why would Apple do? Oh yeah, like an Intel. Like yeah, hybrid, this this be the older like in, uh, MacBooks. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Wouldn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would fragment their their Mac line so much to do something like that. Yeah, it would never happen. 
Yeah. They'll yeah. never have a concert with Intel ever again. Ever. So good question. Will they will they ever release another Intel based Mac? Will or maybe not ever, but will they release updates? I, I think so, yeah, to kind of immediately uh contradict myself. In the short term, yes. Yeah. But in the long term, like in a, as they transition, maybe. Um like I can see them just doing like an underrated like, hey, here's a new MacBook Pro with like a new keyboard enhancement or something like that, um, you know, and a slight spec bump. And then later on in the year, do the full on like refresh of the Mac Pro MacBook Pros with the M chip. Like I, I can see them doing something like that. But in the long term, no, it, it's all going to be their own chips. So what do you think the next computer is to get the update? You personally? Like, what would you think that is the... Like obviously they have they have they got two computers down right or three actually. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, they have the iMac, the Mac 16 inch MacBook. Not talking about any new products, and the Mac Pro, right? That would round out their. I, yeah, I think Mac Pro's pro, Mac Pro's probably going to be last, and just based on some of the conversations we had with you, me, and Daniel, where we were talking about um, how they have to handle RAM with a MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. or sorry, not MacBook Pro, a Mac Pro. Because it's a professional machine and a professional user is going to care about the RAM, whereas a casual user might not care as much about that. A pro user would. So I think there's more things for them to figure out there. Um, so I think that one will probably be last. Also, the Mac Pro is always last. It always takes them a bajillion years to upgrade that thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I, in terms of the next one, though, I think probably either the MacBook Pro or the iMac. It would have to be one of those two as the next one. I feel like... If they treat the MacBook Pro just like we've already seen with the MacBook Air and the 13-inch MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. then that'll be the next one. Um, because there's not as much they're going to have to do. The iMac, it really depends on if it's going to be a refresh and like really revamping what it means to be an iMac. And I think there's actually a high possibility for that. And I think they would probably push that out till the end of next year, where we'll see a fully redesigned iMac. It's been... A long time, ten years since I, I got updated. I think it might be more than that yeah. because there's there's the tapered edged one which came out in like 2012. I want to say, but ultimately it's just like a slightly thinner version of the same exact design concept. I mean, yep. there were the 5G iMacs back to the Power PC days that were using the same form factor for the most part, but then they made that change from them being white like the iBooks and plastic to the aluminum and black design that we have now, but it really hasn't changed. And I want to say like 12 years. 2007. Yeah, so 13, almost 14 years. Um, So that's like so due for an upgrade. And here's like what I would like to see. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the... It's either going to look like the... um, um, Pro Display XDR, but I don't think that's the case because that's just way too high end. Um, maybe it'll be that design, but without that really fancy stand. Who knows? I don't think so, though. Um, I think what it might look like is just like what the cinema displays looked like. No, you know, aluminum bar at the bottom. It's mm-hmm. just the black screen and it's edge to edge. Yeah, done. That was a great display. And the notch would. Yeah, they're awesome. Too bad they're not 4K. Um, too bad they're not made anymore. Period. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I sold mine last year to my father in law. He's like, I want this. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> My dad still has one of the 24-inch ones. Oh, wow. So-called cinema displays, yeah. He's holding on to that thing because that's, for him, it's the, the perfect size. I like 27-inch. I think it's a good size. But yeah, if it, basically, if it looked like, or even if it just looked like a big iPad, 
uh, like an iPad Pro with a stand attached to the back of it, but it's 27 inches, 21.5 and 27. Um, that would be, I think that's, it's time for something like that. I think the design kind of looks a little outdated now. What if it looked like an iPad with a magic keyboard? <laughs> that, that would be cool. With the, that's how the cantilever, uh, wow, that would be really interesting. Do you know what would be make it so much closer to? It wouldn't be all the way, but it's like a good half measure. The best iMac design, in my opinion, is the Sunflower iMac design. The early 2000s iMac design where okay. it swiveled in all directions. Yeah. And it had like the dome base and then just the bar coming out of it to hold the display. That was by far my favorite iMac design. That's the G4, no question. Right? Yeah, it was a G4. Uh, this is the one after they did the... Um, the colors. The, the colors, yeah. The yum iMac, as I like to call it. Um, cause that's what their advertising always said, yum. Um, so the sun, they call it the sunflower design. I think bringing the magic keyboard to kind of bring it closer to that, you wouldn't necessarily be able to, you know, tilt it side to side, but you'd have much more flexibility of like changing its angle very much like actually the Microsoft um, studio displays. Yeah. Which are actually really nice from a hardware perspective uh, in terms of the mechanics of how it works. I don't know about using it as a computer, but they're quite impressive. To Windows, <laughs> it all it's just crap. Um, <laughs> so that would be interesting if if the iPad with the uh, with the like Magic Keyboard if it had that same design, that would be pretty cool. You know, um, yeah. Obviously, a keyboard disattached. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a sucker for keyboards or for keyboards and stands, and so mm-hmm. I got where is this thing here. That's the new iMac right there. That's the new iMac Mini, actually. Yeah, it's the iMac Mini, but it's it's actually kind of <laughs> cool, like the way that it's this articulates because it's got two different points of articulation. You can turn it up like this, which is nice. It's got these little. It's got a little hole in the bottom for charging. I like it. So uh, that this would be very cool. It kind of resi- reminds me of what you were just talking about, the G4 iMac, where it's on the space. Obviously, this doesn't um, articulate left or right. But that would be nice. Um, Holden, anything else that you want to talk about today? You know, I think that covers it for this one. We, we covered a lot this episode. We got into some hypothetical, speculative, fun places with this one. Yeah, we sure did. We sure we went did. all over. We future sure did. Mac, future of cars. Not even future Apple cars, just the future of cars. The, f- <laughs> the, the future of transportation. That was That's <laughs> deep, man. That is deep. Um, Holden, where can everyone find you at? I am online at Holden at Holden Departo, which should be right there on the screen. Oh, here, right there. Um, and then I'm also on another video game podcast called Respawn Aim Fire, uh, where we talk about video games, what we've been playing, video game news, all that fun stuff. Hmm. Holden, my friend, thank you very much for joining me. Hope you have a great night. Everyone else, thank you very much. We'll talk in the next one. Bye. Bye.